Don't play with things that go boom. Lessons from my days in Olive Drab by Clint Morey, specialist fourth class, retired. Well, not actually retired. It's more like I didn't re-up. Episode 13. Marianne, where are you? Now, Marianne was a small military facility on a hill in a remote part of South Vietnam. I don't know who gave it the name Marianne, but it was a fire base that supported infantry troops on the ground in nearby areas. Now, during my time in Vietnam, I served on several fire bases with the 3rd of the 82nd Artillery, Marianne, Crest, Baldy, Casey Jones, Deja Vu. At least those were the names we gave them. The Army often referred to them as an LZ, a landing zone, or just a number, something like Kill 191. Well, I wanted to begin this episode with Firebase Marianne because it holds a special place in my memory. Not for what happened while I was there, but for what happened shortly after my unit left the hill and moved on to other firebases. On March 28, 1971, Firebase Marianne was attacked by VC sappers who crawled through the defensive wires and launched an attack on the 231 Americans and 21 South Vietnamese soldiers who occupied the base. In the hour-long battle, 33 were killed and 83 were wounded. It was a reminder that even in the relative safety of a firebase, this was a war and we all had to be prepared for what might happen at any moment. Now, our job on a firebase was to support the infantry units in the field. The 105 millimeter cannons in my unit had a range of about seven miles, so we seldom saw the actual fights in the field between our units and the enemy. Instead, we relied on radio communications for what was happening on the ground that could be miles from us, and what was needed from us, artillery shells. We always had someone at the radio in order to receive a call from a unit in the field. If an infantry unit requested a fire mission, the forward observer who was in the field would give us the grid coordinates, and one member of our FDC team entered those coordinates into the computer. The computer, which we called Freddy, generated a shooting solution, and another member of our team did a manual verification of the shooting solution with the help of a large topographical map. And when both agreed, the shooting solution was sent to the gun crews who quickly aimed, loaded the guns, and fired. Usually, our first shot was a marking round, a white phosphorus shell that exploded in the air above where the rest of the shells would shortly land. The forward observer would give us corrections, telling us if we were long or short, left or right of the target, we would make the necessary adjustments and then send the corrected shooting solution to the gun crews. Depending on the situation, the infantry could either have us fire for effect or fire another marking round. And we would continue firing as long as the infantry needed our support. Now, if the soldiers in the field called in a contact fire mission, it meant they were engaged in a shooting battle with the enemy forces, and sometimes they would skip the marking round and request fire for effect right away. 
We knew that it could be a life or death situation for the infantry, so we got very good at responding quickly and accurately in order to support them. Now, I can remember when a chopper first took me to the firebase where I would be working and dropped me off in my new world. I was introduced to the fire direction control team and given a bunk. And actually, it was just a cot underneath a culvert half. And yes, Gunner was part of our team. He was a good guy. And he didn't shoot any bugs when we were out on the fire bases. In our FDC, we usually worked 12-hour shifts, switching at noon and midnight, seven days a week. Someone was always awake at the radio, just in case a fire mission was called in. And one of the noticeable elements of an FDC center is that it had lots of antennas. We needed them for our radio communications, but we also knew that it made our location a prime target if the base were to come under attack. And food and water are important items for soldiers on these remote fire bases, and there weren't any spigots to turn on for water or any stores to go to for food, so they had to bring everything to the troops. And it was always nice to get a hot meal, and if food wasn't available, or at least hot food wasn't available, there were always the sea rations. And we learned to eat some very interesting things in those days. Now, I'm going to talk about the latrine, and I apologize for that, but I have to admit that on my first firebase, the latrine was a very memorable part of my experience in Vietnam. You should know that there was an army way to build a latrine, and I know that not only from the experience of seeing and using several of the latrines, but I've also read the manual. Yep. The Army had a manual on how to build and operate latrines in the field. And for some reason, I thought I should read that manual. Well, after arriving on the firebase, I remember asking one of my new FDC friends where the bathroom was, and he pointed at a building and said I could use the Vietnamese latrine. Or, and then he pointed to an open spot near the edge of the firebase and said, or you can use that. The only visible thing where he was pointing was a toilet, a single white porcelain toilet. And it was out in the open with a beautiful view of the valley below. But there was no building, no walls, no privacy, just a toilet. Well, we shared the hill with a Vietnamese unit, and on the outside of their latrine, it looked like the others I had seen in Vietnam. It was a nice building. And the thought of sitting out in the open while going to the bathroom did not appeal to me, so I decided to check out the Vietnamese latrine. I opened the door and went into the building. It was small, but very clean. It looked like they may have even modeled it after the American latrines, except for one thing. There was no toilet. There was a plastic floor mat where you could place your feet, and there was a hole in that plastic floor mat where I figured you were supposed to do whatever it was that you came in the latrine to do. I would later learn that out in the field where the farmers worked, it was fairly normal to see someone drop their pants, do their business, pull up their pants, and go back to work. Well, I had not accustomed myself to the culture and decided to pass on the experience. So I decided to use that white porcelain thing sitting out in the open. Trust me, it was a very strange feeling to sit on a toilet in the middle of the night 
in clear view of anyone who might be out there in the darkness. For some reason, I didn't really enjoy the beautiful view of the countryside. Other things were on my mind. I was sure the fire base would come under attack while I was sitting on my shiny white porcelain thing, and I was sure mortars would explode around me, sappers would crawl through the wires with satchel charges, or a sniper had me in his sights right at the moment and thought it would be fun to take out the American soldier sitting on the toilet. But what choice did I have? I couldn't do the squatting thing. I mean, that was weird. I just couldn't do it. Until one day, the rains came. It wasn't the monsoon rains. Those would come later. This was just your ordinary torrential downpour. And as much as I didn't want to use the Vietnamese latrine, I couldn't imagine sitting out in the open during the downpour. So I decided to appropriate the culture of the Vietnamese soldiers and use their version of a latrine. And I have to admit, I was a little awkward at first, but I was dry, and after a few more uses of their latrine, I never went back to the toilet out in the open, even after the sun came out. Okay, that's enough latrine talk. I'm sorry for bringing it up, but like I said, it was a memorable experience for me. And I'll share more about life on a firebase in future episodes, but right now I just want to share two lessons that I had during this time period. The first one was, never forget that you are in a war. Now, it may not be a physical war like I experienced in Vietnam, but it is a very real war for your soul. Choose to follow Jesus and know that there is a very real enemy out there who wants to destroy you. And then second, sometimes we're so used to our way of doing things and we get personally comfortable in those things that we don't even consider that another way may be a better choice. Keep that in mind as you go about your day. 